Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. So I'm really excited and enthused to have Dr. Richard Safir on the show. So Dr. Safir is the Chief Medical Director at uh, Chief Medical Director of Employee Health and Wellbeing at Johns Hopkins Medicine. So a lot of people should be familiar with that name. All in all, I'm really excited that uh, that we're able to peel off time and, and do this episode. Um, Richard, welcome to the show, and thanks for thanks for peeling off time to do this with me. Well, Anthony, thanks for having me. I'm always excited to share our work uh, from Johns Hopkins Medicine with uh, any audience that'll have us. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, phenomenal organization. But but what's most important is I always love you know, background stories and how things started and, and origin stories. Tell me a little bit about what led you to where you're at today or, or said another way. I'd love to hear a little bit about what led you to become the person you are and just love to hear your origin story. Well, thanks, Anthony. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure where it started and uh, I won't go back to too far into my childhood but in college, I realized that uh, as I was looking at a uh, career in medicine, I had an opportunity to study nutrition at Cornell University under T. Colin Campbell, and that really shaped my future. Uh, it not only was a great education for the time, but it influenced the career path I took after finishing my residency in family medicine. Shortly uh, after um, entering private practice, I realized that we were missing a huge opportunity helping most of our population prevent chronic disease. And that huge opportunity was through the eyes of the employer. So most people get their insurance through their employer. I think it's something like 160 million people still get their insurance through the employer. Mm. So I knew early into my career that the employer could help support those employees and their families who wanted to make healthy choices. So uh, I, I sought out that path, and here I am today, the Chief uh, Medical Director of Employee Health and Wellbeing at Johns Hopkins Medicine. I love it. I love it. Um, I love to hear, so congratulations, and it's, it's super exciting, and I appreciate the, you know, the perspective. Uh, huge impact you guys are having, and I'm sure a lot of your work is impacting a lot of lives. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about what what has your attention these days in, in regards to health and well-being. What's exciting? What are you looking at? What are you studying? Um, I just love to hear on kind of what's capturing your, your captivating your attention in, in just the field of health and well-being overall. Um, you know these days. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. You know, I, I've been in um, I've been in the employer space for about twenty years now. Uh, before. Uh, people use the phrase population health even. And uh, it's given me um, some historical perspective about what works and what doesn't work and, and where are we falling short. About a decade ago, um, I, was, I had the opportunity to attend a workshop that Judd Allen, Dr. Judd Allen, PhD, was giving at a arts and science of health promotion conference. It was a two-day workshop on culture. And um, 
The reason why I attended was because I had been seeing so many employers fail in achieving their goal. They were putting in um, place programs where they thought that if they offered a program that their employees would show up, they would do it, everything would work out great, and employees would reach the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's just not how health works. It's a bit more complicated than that. And I realized um, that by attending this workshop, I had an opportunity to broaden the horizon of the way people make health decisions and the way people are influenced uh, in their health decisions. So it was that workshop that really uh, helped round out my perspective. Uh, shortly thereafter, I joined Johns Hopkins Medicine and uh, I went in with open eyes. Uh, you alluded to uh, the idea that Johns Hopkins Medicine is huge. It is, 42,000 employees. We have facilities across the state of Maryland, in the District of Columbia, and we even have a hospital in um, St. Petersburg, Petersburg, Florida. So um, it took me some time to try to understand the landscape of Johns Hopkins Medicine and figure out the culture that existed within our organization and then help um, influence the culture toward a healthier way of having a work day. And so what has me excited now eight years after I've joined Johns Hopkins Medicine is seeing the tide change and seeing how employee health is part of the conversation. Not only are we taking care of patients from our communities as well as across the country and around the world, we're paying much more attention to our own health, which is good for our employees as well as the people we serve. That's what I'm really excited about. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And thank you for, you know, the illustration too on, on how things are progressing, how, how things have you know, moved in this space and, and you know, the, the this, this kind of reinvigorated and, you know, focus and, you know, a lot, I agree with you, you know, sometimes you can't put programs out and just expect everyone to come and, you know, there's a lot of nuances in program design and a lot of it's psychology too. It's like, you know, health is <laughs> health and well-being is such this interesting thing. It's like stuff that we know if we did would make us feel better and feels make us feel good. But, but you know, Anthony, a, we get in our own way, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad you brought up the psychology part of this. Um, it's a, a huge aspect in providing effective support for, for our employees. Uh, really for everybody, uh, not just in the employee setting. And, and I think that's something that a lot of leaders um, don't recognize. And a lot of people in position of decision-making who impact population health don't um, pay enough attention to. So I, I hope that um, through your work and, and others um, and myself, we're able to drive that message home that we really need leaders who are in this space to respect um, behavior change theories, um, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the multitude of them, and how to apply those theories uh, and, and, and bring them into a practical application. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And 
you know, as I guess along those lines, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit on, you know, if you were, if you went to a new organization today and you were helping like a chief human resource officer, whether it's a hospital or not, or healthcare, and, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, Richard, I, I need help with my employee. My, I want, I need to, I, I, I need to improve the health of our employees. You know, we've got a lot of diabetics, we've got this participation is really bad. We did a Fitbit thing a few years ago, and um, what what would be your mental model for for approaching? Like, what's a what's a modern way to help employees get healthy? Whether it's it's a challenges, competitions, biometrics, HRA, all of the above, or is it is what do you what do you what's your mindset um, in helping an organization? You know design the right goals and hit those goals. Um, right. what, are, what are the goals? What should be the goals? <laughs> right. What is the problem? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach this. So what mm-hmm. I'll right now is just um, a general sense of how to approach it, but you know, you can kind of move the uh, chess pieces around the, the board and um, still mm-hmm. at a, a very positive place. I mean, I think one one um, nice thing about coming into a workforce is that people give you the opportunity to um, uh, do a surveillance of the landscape and just see what's been tried, where the organization is, what particular challenges exist, both from a health perspective as well as an organization perspective, and then lay out, take time to lay out um, a strategic plan, uh, and, and that really should be looking at three to five years. I mean, one of the big mistakes um, that I see happening all the time is that people who are in the space are really looking at like a six-month, one-year time. Mm-hmm. That's just not really going to cut it for um, a sustainable long-term change. Mm-hmm. Once you have that um, groundwork, you need to pick a framework. Um, We use two frameworks at Johns Hopkins Medicine, which I think could apply to most, if not all, um, large employers. And one is a culture of health framework, Mm -hmm. which essentially uh, drives our work to help um, make healthy behaviors, the norm within the workplace. And the second framework we use, we're now in the fifth year of using the CDC Worksite Health Scorecard. Uh, The underpinning of that CDC Worksite Health Scorecard is the socio-ecologic model of behavior. And it's from those two frameworks that uh, an employer can really um, dive into Uh, whatever specific areas they're having particular challenges with, uh, they can know that they can pursue those challenges with a framework that's based on science and that um, will get them to to a better place. I don't know as specific as we wanted it to to be, Anthony. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, and I've heard that a lot too. You know, there's a lot of listeners probably listening that are, you know, in, in HR, they're trying to improve the health. And, you know, there's a lot of ideas that you can do short term. And it's, 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 it's the easiest hard thing to do, I think, right? Planning for three to five years. I mean, first, you got to make a decision and say, I'm going to plan for three to five years. And, and you have some experience in the role saying, you know, you, you realize with improving health for anyone, 
Um, you can make some big changes in a year, but not too many changes, right? You're trying to get participation, you're trying to get engagement, but all in all, the life of that employee, right? They need that kind of framework and that 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 orientation of where we're going, and that needs to align with the organization, right? So, employee health goal, right? For a, for a hospital health organization might be a little bit different than manufacturing, right? Or if you're working in a steel mill, right? Those need to be more safety, way more safety oriented. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just speaking out loud here a little bit, but yeah, no, this is super helpful. And I appreciate your, your passion and, you know, organization and, and that you're bringing into this space. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, um, what, how do you think about technology and process as it supports that framework? So there are a lot of in vogue, um, things and, and maybe they still are, are, you know, obviously like Fitbit, Apple watch, technology challenges, competitions, you know, taking biometrics, um, you know, health assessments. And now there's a lot of mental, mental health and how have things changed over the past? You know, I, I don't know if you think of things as like employee wellness 1.0, wellness 2.0, wellness 3.0. Um, but how have things changed over the past five and 10 years? Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, employee well-being uh, programs? Yeah, um, I think they've changed quite a bit. Uh, but, and I think a lot of that's not necessarily driven by science. It's often driven by capitalism. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be careful that we're being sold our strategies. Right. To, um, we need to proceed based on the science. Mm-hmm. So you asked uh, several different areas in this regard, and I think you started by asking me to reflect on the use of technology in the um, population health space. You know, from my perspective, um, technology can be supportive and assist, but it never drives um, the health of uh, anybody. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, we're social critters. Um, we uh, we uh, make a lot of our decisions based on those people around us. Mm -hmm. the, that's one of the powers of driving a, a healthy workplace culture is that we feed off of each other's behavior, both for good and for bad. So you, you mentioned specifically like a step or Fitbit challenge. And... Um, I think those are, are um, can be good, um, but I think they can be good for different reasons than maybe what other people are envisioning. Um, the reason why uh, I like having a steps challenge, which can be assisted by technology, is that it creates a community. It creates a health community where individuals, well, when done correctly, it creates a health community where employees are supporting each other and it's not an individual um, journey. Mm -hmm. uh, when you use technology to connect people, um, particularly uh, a large workforce that has uh, multiple geographic locations, then you really can accelerate um, the impact of the um, behavior to influence even those people who haven't signed up for that steps challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want it. me to reflect on some of the others or do you want to pursue that? Yeah, I'd love to go deeper. Yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit more. Yeah. Sure. I mean, so 
so you mentioned um, Steps Challenge. I'm going to stay on this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we have um, we have a workforce that's across the state and, and in other um, geographic locations. So not only can like a wearable device help track an individual's steps, the technology can aggregate the steps of teams mm-hmm. and specific work sites. And then technology can help share that across uh, an enterprise. And it can really be a unifying, or it can help be a unifying force for an entire organization. So um, it, it's definitely an opportunity. I love it. I love it. Yeah, um, Dr. Safir. So the on the challenges element. So yeah, no, that that's that's super um, super helpful and super um, you know um, it's great great perspective. Um, you know what I'd love to hear. You know along those lines a little bit more is you know where do you see where do you see um, employee well-being strategies and focus going like what what do we need to do more of and less of as we get into the future so what what things do you see happening in employee well-being what are some innovations coming out that you you may find some promise to um you know if you have a you know someone that's focused on employee well-being listening to this uh episode you know what are some tips that you would have for them as we as we go into the future obviously we're we're very close to uh 2020 here um, just love to hear a little bit of on you know your future focus. Yeah, um, so I, I think um, we're on. A, there's two things I'd like to reflect on. One is um, lifestyle medicine, and the other are health coaches, and they are related. So lifestyle medicine um, is, is really the uh, art and science of helping individuals choose healthier habits um, to, to get on a healthier path. Mm-hmm. This is a medical profession. There's whoosh, there's probably 2,500 members in the American College of Lifestyle Mem- uh, Medicine right now. And I think probably um, about 900 or 1,000 of those members are board certified in lifestyle medicine. And um, I think we're going to see more patients, whether they're employees or or people not working, uh, trying to find practitioners who can help uh, them uh, through a strategy to get them on a healthier path. And and it's related to the second thing that I mentioned I would talk to you about, which is health coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, A health coach... um, is you know not necessarily a doctor, not necessarily a nurse or a physician assistant. A health coach is an individual who has been trained in the art and science of communicating health information, while um, supporting an individual to find their own path. Um, the, these folks, health coaches, are um, they should be certified. There are organizations who certify them. And they're really the ones who I think are going to be um, spearheading a lot of change in the way we deliver health care. Uh, you know, doctors and nurses really don't have the, the, the necessary time that it takes to guide people on this difficult journey of adopting healthier behaviors. 
nor do doctors and nurses inherently get the training that they need to be effective communicators uh, to support individuals looking to make these um, lifestyle changes. So, so those are areas that I think are emerging and uh, they will make a, a big change. Now, in the employee space, if you don't mind me expanding, sure. uh, those, those two strategies can be implemented. Um, employers can try to figure out strategies to get board certified lifestyle medicine practitioners into their networks. They can also figure out how to get uh, qualified health coaches to help individual employees. And I think we need to get away from the idea that uh, participation uh, is a good measurement in, in the workplace in the sense that, um, in the sense of the following. Anthony, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're in a new year now. And mm -hmm. at the beginning of the calendar year, what is it, like 80 or 90% of people, they, they pick a New Year's resolution that's related to their health. Right. I think that, you know, if you go to any employer and you see that um, 80 to 90% of their employees have a New Year's resolution, but you're only seeing maybe 10% people participate in, let's say, a lunch and learn, it's not because people don't care uh, about their health. It's because maybe people don't want to share this part of their life at the workplace and maybe employers need to to just rethink the way they define participation instead of people signing up for a lunch and learn why can't participation be going down to the cafeteria and buying healthier food right why can't participation be people taking a standing break after 55 minutes of sitting Right. Can't participation be a, a company that goes tobacco free and starts offering premium discounts on their health insurance for those people who are tobacco free? So I think um, we're, we're in much better shape than we were 10 years ago. And I think the more um, uh, that decision, the more we put decisions in the hands of those people who are trained in this field, the better mm -hmm. um, our employees and, and other people will be. Absolutely, absolutely, Richard. I mean, well, well, well put and and great perspective, and it's it's super helpful. I mean, obviously, you're giving us some good railroad tracks and some good rails, you know, to to think of um, employee well being, and so it's it's much appreciated. And I see ourselves going in the in that direction. It's a, it's a it's a blessing. It's you know much appreciated the work that you're doing, your passion for the space. Obviously, we you know we need more leaders in employee well-being across the the country with a lot of different organizations. And you know, if I'm playing back and hearing correctly, it's it's also this subtle balance between um, simplicity, um, unlocking things, unleashing what's already happening, promoting the behaviors we know we need to do, um, and having that fit in a framework. Um, while being patient too, a little patient, but also making sure that you're track, we're tracking activity, right? In the right direction that we want to do promoting um, and, and tracking and, but, but also heading towards, um, you know, the strategic goals that are set forth. Um, uh, Dr. Safir, uh, the very last question I have for you is, 
Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for um, sharing your origin story, your passions, and your vision of the future of health uh, in the future. Uh, very last question for you is contact information. So if you'd like anyone to reach out on social media, say hi, or reach out directly, you know, what would be a potential good way to do so if you'd like that to happen? <laughs> oh, thanks very much, Anthony. Yeah, I, I love interacting with like-minded people. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I also have a Twitter handle at Richard Safir. And if you want to follow what we're doing at Hopkins, we have a Twitter handle at Healthy Hopkins. All great ways to, to be in touch. Awesome. Awesome. Dr. Safir, this was great. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. Love to have you back as you work on more programs, do more innovations in the space. And uh, this was this was super powerful and great. So thank you for doing this. And uh, to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Uh, Dr. Safir, thanks, thanks again so much for doing this. This was great. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Appreciate it.